Careers evolve, and how they evolve is a combination of luck, opportunism, and imagination. We talked to Dennis Litley, whose blog, Ask Chef Dennis, is wildly popular. How did he do it? It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Chef Dennis Litley. He's a chef and traveler with an outstanding blog, Ask Chef Dennis, featuring realistic recipes and great tips. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Well, I think we have lots to talk about, so let's just dive right in. I'm really interested in how a trained chef who has a great experience in restaurants and other kinds of kitchens decided to start a blog. Well, it was really accidental. Uh, my last job that I had was at an all-girls high school and I'd never worked at a school before. I didn't know what to feed them and, and how things were going to work out. But I, I liked the schedule. You know, I, when, when they weren't going to hire me, I was getting ready to turn them down. And the principal says, and you work 165 days a year. And I went, when would you like me to start? <laughs> I can imagine, especially the long hours in a, yeah. a, a restaurant kitchen or something. Just horrible. Yeah. 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 yeah I've been the working this. Oh, I'd been working business dining, so at least my hours had calmed down a bit. But my wife was a teacher, and unless there was an emergency, an act of God or something that the governor would change, close the the roads, I had to go to work. You know, so uh, it was always, you know, oh, you're going to work? I don't, or I'm off all summer. You're not like, oh. <laughs> so I finally got on her schedule and actually had more days off than she did because it was a Catholic school, so I had extra holidays. Right, I used to right. rub that in. But anyway, I, I was at the school and I would hire temps for for functions. We had we didn't have a lot of functions. We had functions I had to work. And when you hire extra people, just you don't know what you're getting. Sometimes you get a superstar. Sometimes more than not, you don't. Uh -huh. And one day I was prepping a, a, a party and this one girl was there. She didn't have anything to do. She was bored. She says, can I help you? Sure. I put an apron on her, showed her how to how to do things. And we were talking and then a, a light bulb went off and says, I need to train my own staff. So I started a culinary program the following year that was hugely successful. And I figured I need someplace to interact with these girls. You know, I can't give them my home email. I can't give them my phone number. That's inappropriate. But <clears throat> I, I wanted a way to be able to talk to them when we're not in school. So I, I'd heard about blogging. It was brand new. It was 2009. Okay. There was, it was a wild, wild west. I mean, people have been blogging since before 2000, but it was, it was a whole different format. Things mm -hmm. were evolving. And I went to the IT department and, you know, they had heard about it. So we walked through things. They set me up and uh, I started blogging and it was basically just, again, for the girls that were in my class and then you know some of the teachers found it and some of the other students found it and it was horrible at first my posts were just terrible you won't find any of them still on my blog <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know it kind of started to roll 
And in February of 2010, I found a group called Food Buzz that was in San Francisco. And I had found just a huge group of food bloggers all over the world that were that were doing this. And it was like everybody's starting from the ground level and we're all excited and we're sharing recipes. And I'm looking at food from all over the world and I'm making things in the school, you know, that I had never seen before and doing all these things. And I, I kind of got the bug for it then. But, you know, working, I only had to work 50 hours a week. It was down from what my normal was. But doing that, driving, you know, each way back and forth. By the time I got home, walk the dogs, I was dead. And I'd be up to like midnight to, to trying to get my blog posts out. Mm -hmm. Available light was horrible. You know, I mean, I didn't have any because winter in New Jersey, you know, 430, sun goes down. Um, so it was a real, real struggle. And and I kept doing it. And I think I was into it my fourth year. Uh, I retired due to a series of injuries. My body just got beat up over the years of being a chef. Mm -hmm. And my wife retired. She was just burned out from it. So she retired early. And we moved to Florida. And the land of sunshine and blue skies and little lizards. And uh, I, I'm, she said, when we crossed the border, the angels sang for you. For her, it was the exact opposite. And it was her idea to move, which I always reminded her of. <laughs> but I started blogging more and blogging more. And I couldn't go back in the kitchen to work. So my goal was if I can make $1,000 a month, you know, that added to Social Security, we'll be able to live all right. Her pension will be able to live all right. Uh -huh. And things just started to progress. And I started making more than that. And then I started making more than that. And just my blog grew and I just, I became somewhat of a personality speaking at conferences all around the world. And it just, it just exploded, you know, and the pandemic was very, very good to me because everyone was home cooking. Right, right, exactly. So that more than doubled my business and, you know, life is good. Well, that's, I think that's totally wonderful. I am interested in how you can keep interested in it and keep it fresh after so long. Well, you have to be available in the present to see what's going on. And a lot of bloggers put their heads down and they just keep doing what has been working or in many cases, what's not working, but they still keep doing it. Uh -huh. you know, it's the definition of insanity. You know, you keep doing things over and over again that aren't working. Just being open to new things. You know, every time, everything, something new, every time something new would pop up in the blogging world, I would take a look at it and I would try it. I would get my name. So that kept me interested in different things. The other thing is I only cook what I want to eat or what I would serve people in my restaurant. You know, when I was in my restaurant days, I, I make things based on what I think other people would like. Where a lot of bloggers, they go to these uh, websites that will tell you what is the best searchable recipe. Oh, uh, yeah. So they're writing for Google, which we do in the end, or we don't succeed, but they're basing what they make on what will get them the most traffic. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, there is no joy in that. Yeah. You know, you're cooking, you might as well just be a machine at that point. So unless it's something I truly want to eat or I enjoy eating, I'm not going to make it. You know, there's a few things every now and then I go, all right, I don't eat calamari, but I used to cook it for everyone. You know, so I, I would make something that I know people 
or asking for, even if it's not something I want to eat in that case. But for the most part, it's like, oh, what do I want for dinner tonight? What do I have in the freezer? What can I make out of that? Or what's on special? You know, those kind of things. So that keeps it interesting and that keeps it fun. And as long as I'm cooking with that purpose and, and creating things of that purpose, I'm happy. Well, it also seems as though you're, you are actually trying to communicate with readers as opposed to some blogs that are just all about the person who's writing it. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's like, I don't care what you're doing. I know. I know. (laughs) I know stories, stories went away. People just got tired of stories. They just wanted the recipe. And every now and then I'll interject a little paragraph. But I mean, we used to write lots of stories in the, in the beginning. It was like, just a big thing. And then they kind of gradually Google didn't, wasn't really didn't care that your grandmother picked these herbs at the top of this mountain to make this dish or, you know, it's, it's nice to tell someone, but you know, that wasn't the reason you were writing it. So, you know, it's breaking it down. So again, if we don't make Google happy, we won't be seen. I mean, there's a saying, where do you hide a dead body? And that's page two of Google, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, if, if you can't get on that first page, you know, or even on the top of the second page, you're never, recipes liable never to be seen. And it's a drastic fall off. So you need to be aware of what Google wants and you need to kind of not necessarily write for them, but write to appease them, you know? And, and so you come up with a format that works that, that they're going to find more easily digestible or easily searchable because they're, they're always working on how to improve search. You know, I was a big on Google Plus. I don't know if you ever heard of Google Plus or were on that when it was out. I was a minor celebrity on Google Plus thanks to Google because I was doing what they wanted to do. So they put me on the follow page with Anthony Bourdain, Richard Ray, Martha Stewart, Emerilla Gossi, and here's Chef Dennis. And I'm like, I don't know how the hell this happened. (laughs) That really is what brought me into prominence and, and started, I started, and that's when I started speaking at conferences because of that. Um, So it's a matter, they called it the great experiment. They were just trying to improve search. They had no, you know, they had no, they did not want to make it into a social media. It was just something that they were doing and they do that constantly. So you have to stay on top of those things. And so how do you stay on top of that kind of thing? Well, I got a friend, (laughs) you know, you, you keep lots of friends. Uh, and actually, I have a guy that does SEO audits for me that has become like my best friend because he has increased my earnings over time substantially. And uh, you, you gotta you gotta talk. You gotta have people that you can bounce things off of, and 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 having industry experts. You know, I have a company that watches the back end of my blog night and day, and they also will provide insight into what's changing or what's going on. So it's a matter of, you know, there's the old adage too, you have to spend money to make money. Uh-huh. Like I just recently spoke with a friend of mine who's been blogging as long as I have, but just refuses to get a blog audit or refuses, I can't afford it. Well, now she wrote to me and said she lost almost all of her traffic with the last update. And I said, well, you can't afford not to do it. Okay. Now that you've lost thousands of dollars a month and it would have cost you $1,500 for an audit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of people out there that don't. Now, again, I understand if you're putting food on your table that you need that money, but in the long run, it's going to come back to hurt you if you don't do these things. So, you know, knowing who to have on your team 
and what other VAs can take, you know, some of the work off your schedule so you can do the things that you, that really bring you joy. Right. Well, and <clears throat> I guess also you must have to spend some time looking at other people's blogs to kind of see what's going on. Actually, I never do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I don't go on to anybody else's blog unless someone asks me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't really have time in the day to browse. Uh, I have a magazine subscription to like like all these different magazines on, on my phone. So when I'm bored, I'll go to that and I'll look through the food magazines. Just, and just the pictures. People are very visual. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at something and go, well, that looks good. How would I make that? And I'll just take a, I'll copy the picture and the name of it, and then I'll go create it. I uh-huh. won't look at the recipe to see. So that was always like my fun time. I would get a cup of coffee and sit in a bookstore and look through the magazines at the pretty pictures. So, uh-huh. um, I, but I go on other people's blogs, you know, it's, that was what hurt me in the beginning. Okay, we did a lot of commenting on other people's blogs, like swapping comments. You know, uh-huh. it, was, it, was, uh-huh. it was a big game. And um, you see something doing very well on someone else's blog, you go, wow, they're doing really good with that. I should make that. Well, you try to be everything to everybody, it doesn't work. Right. You get your direction gets skewed, it gets lost. So I stopped doing that. And that's when I really started to build my grow my blog. And I said, no. I am a restaurant chef. I cook restaurant style recipes. Okay. And, and after teaching the class, it kind of stuck with me. I was, all right, I've been teaching these girls how to make things. I need to teach people how, you know, and I would say, let's demystify cooking. You know, my favorite saying at school was it's not rocket science, it's food. So let's, let's get down to it. And in my recipes, I try to offer suggestions of how to replace things because they're not etched in stone. They're, they're guidelines. You know, I love the comments I get when people say, oh, I made your dish, but I changed this, this, and this, and it was wonderful. You got it. Wow. You made it so you will really enjoy it. Because if you take a recipe and you follow it verbatim and it's got something in it you don't like to eat, or you just particularly don't like that flavor, and you make it, and you spend all this time, you bought the stuff, you're making the stuff, you're serving it to your family, and you just... Uh, I wish I'd left that out. You, you, you've lost all the joy. So the next time you're not as eager to go in the kitchen and cook. Mm-hmm. But if you know, I can leave that out. You know, Dennis said, you know, leave the broccoli out, put spinach in or put asparagus in. Oh, I like asparagus. Let's try it with that. And then you sit down and you go, wow, this is delicious. This is really good. Well, you're more inclined to go back and cook again because you've got some joy in your cooking now. Right. And it also means that when you open your refrigerator and you say, oh, let's see, what am I going to make tonight? Yeah. You don't have the <clears throat> perfect set of ingredients for some classic no. dish. You can still make something really good. Yeah, yeah. That to me is really important to be able to clean out that refrigerator. Yep. <laughs> well, well, once you get past the idea of you have to have everything that's in the recipe, that becomes much easier. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there were a lot of days that I'd have class that I had been just so much work to do. I never got to prepare anything. So I would take the girls and I'd go, all right, what do you want to make? All right, let's go to the walk in. All right, you pick something, you pick something, you pick something. All right, now let's go make something out of it. You know, so once you get that kind of feel for it's food, let's take what ingredients I have now. What can I add to that to make it really tasty like I like? 
So how <clears throat> much experimenting do you like to do, say, with spices you haven't used before or even, um, you know, as our markets expand in terms yeah. of what's available with with different kinds of, say, vegetables that you might not have had access to? Well, the first thing I ask when I'm looking for ingredients is, are these readily available to everyone? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I might try it on my own, but it might not necessarily be something I'll write about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I make it and I go, oh, this is really good. Then, and and I know if I tell them to go to the Asian supermarket, they can find these spices or if I know they can find these vegetables. But if I'm going, oh, this is a one for, this is something that it's going to be too hard or too expensive for most people to get. Mm-hmm. I, I just won't, you know, <clears throat> every now and then I'll write a post from me. Yeah. Yeah, that I that I know isn't going to get any traffic, but I I like it, and you know maybe a couple hundred people out in the world will find it and, and read it and make it and and like it. And sometimes, like even in the restaurant, I had to educate people on how to eat. You know, at the school too, it's like they're so pigeonholed and used to eating this that just to come a little bit out of their comfort zone or to try something else or to understand that, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is chicken parm. I love chicken parm, simple dish. Me and Peyton Manning, we love chicken parm. You know, it's, um, but so many times I get it and they'll stack three or two pieces of chicken on top of each other and only sauce and cheese the top one. Uh-huh. That's not chicken. One of the top one is, but the rest of it isn't. Uh-huh. Or they'll put a little little dollop of sauce and a little bit of the cheese. That's not chicken parm. Cover that baby, you know? <laughs> you know, let's make that chicken parm big enough to block out the sun and let's cover it. You know, it's it's you know, then you really enjoy. So it's a matter of of working with ingredients. You know, like I, I love there was a a produce place, a grocery store in it outside of Atlanta. And I went there and it was like, oh my God. I would buy all this produce I've never seen in my life before. Some I've read about, but never cooked with. said, my wife would not eat one bite of anything because she's very, no, no, I I don't know what that is. I'm not eating that kind of a thing. Oh, wow. I have definitely changed that approach over the years. I have educated her to a point, but she's still. She's still resistant. Yes, yes. Um, But I mean, there's, and there's a lot of people. So just because I want to have fun with food, which is great if I'm just making something, but um, I like to make sure everybody's going to eat what I make too. Yeah. Gosh, that's a really hard thing to balance. I mean, I happen to be a big fan of cardoons Mm -hmm. and um, you can't find cardoons all the time in the grocery store. If, if ever in the grocery store, but my, my grandparents were from Palermo and they used to grow the cardoons oh. in their backyard because they couldn't get them either. Right. But then there they were all the time, or at least in the right season. Yeah. And um, and it's it's the sort of thing like if I go to a restaurant and there are cardoons on the menu, this I might get two orders of oh, it, yeah. you know, because there's a, a, a trigger memory too of sure. family and, and nostalgia, but nevertheless, I really do like the <laughs> taste. And so I could see where you would find that if you have to, and if you have to only write about things that everybody has access to, then you have to leave out all these kind of things that you might, you might enjoy. 
Yeah, you know, but again, I, me personally, I'm a really basic eater. I really am. And, and I won't go out of my way to cook for myself. I, I, I need an audience, as uh -huh. sad as that seems, you know, unless I'm making something for the blog. And, and I've done that. I says, I, I, I've never made it before. Let's make it. And I sit down and go, oh my God, this is really good. You know, I love when I surprise myself sometimes uh -huh. that I had uh -huh. no idea how it was going to come out. But it's usually that I'll eat it right after I make it. Or if I've made one to take pictures of and I have more for dinner that night, I've had an, an extra set of stuff. Uh, but again, like I said, you know, I love like when we travel, I will try just about anything. Uh -huh. But it doesn't mean my audience is going to like that just because it was different. You know, there's some things I try to I, that are so good. I want to share with everyone or, or it's in my wheelhouse. If it's something like I am not an Asian style chef, I can make it. But that's not my forte. So I rarely, I don't do a lot of that style. Uh -huh. I'm not a French chef. I can do it. But again, it's not. And, and French cooking tends to take too long, too. So I try to you know talk about Italian food. I'm not Italian, but I've eaten enough Italian food in my life. I should be, you know, and made enough. But it's food that is easily accessible, that uses regular ingredients that are common or that that and use up everything you know use use all the ingredients uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. so i i can i try to base it and and lately you know i i was in that mindset of creating specials like for my restaurant and coming up with things and people are going well dennis that's great but you know like a, but how do i just roast a chicken i'm going oh man you know i'm i'm losing I need, this is what I'm trying to help people learn how to cook and I'm not giving them the basics. So uh -huh. I've gone back to a little bit more of the basics and, and make my stuff. that's a little bit different too, that I like to eat and, but still make the basics. Like I have this dish of Kubiaka salmon that is just, I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's uh -huh. a salmon layered with uh, rice, mushrooms, oh, I forget everything else that's on it, hard boiled eggs. It's, it's just beautiful wrapped uh -huh. in puff pastry. Uh -huh. And, uh, and this is, oh, that's wonderful. You know, I, I don't know if I can make it, but how do I marinate salmon? I'm going, oh, crap. I didn't tell them how to, just simple thing, you uh -huh. know, how to marinate or how to grill it or how to, so I go back and I've been writing more posts along that line and let them find the joy, build some confidence, and then they're ready to tackle something like, which Kubiak is not difficult to make. It's just time consuming a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so again, it's educating the audience, listening to the audience and, you know, giving them more along the lines of what they want with your expertise on how to do it properly. Or so have you found um, that the audience has, has changed um, over, over time? Uh, are there any other trends like people are interested in more vegetables or, you know, this whole vegetable forward movement that has, uh, <clears throat> that has, been kind of filtering through or is it pretty much the same kind of good hearty food like american food well that is really my niche and a lot of people come to me for those kind of recipes uh-huh again you know when i talk about restaurant style i'm talking about recipes that you can make in 10 to 20 minutes because in a restaurant unless it's something you've prepped ahead of time you've got a short window to feed all these people and keep everybody moving so I, I try to look at things like that uh, in, in my creation. But, you know, when you're saying, I think the trend is, and, and I do tell people this, is to eat less protein. 
you know, Americans overdo protein. Mm-hmm. We, 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 and I have been a big, I've been guilty of that as anyone else, you know, cover the plate in protein and a little bit of vegetable. That's just a, and you, you'll put it in a, you won't even put it on the plate. You'll put it in a bowl on the side that, oh, oh I wish I had eaten that first. I don't have room for it now, you know, kind uh-huh. of a thing. Uh-huh. So cut back a little on the protein, make it like a third of the plate and make the vegetables, the rest of the plate, you know? So I have tried to give that philosophy to it, but, you know, I still, am a chef and I still every now and then make things that are just too big. So it's just, you know, like my wife says, I'll cook for 12 people and there's only two of us. I'm like, well, I try not to, but sometimes <laughs> that's just the way it works out. That's why we've got a freezer. you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's not a bad thing. Like a lot of my sauce, my pasta sauce recipes, like I made a Napolitan uh, ragu the other day with a, a rack of ribs and beef chuck and sausage. And oh my God, it was good. Let it simmer for five hours. But I made enough that, that I have like six containers in the freezer, you know, for uh-huh. the two of us. Uh-huh. But that's a good thing because that day that you're tired and don't feel like cooking, you pull it out of the freezer and dinner's ready, you know, in a little right. while. Right, right. So, no, that's really, that's really true. And that's the kind of thing you can communicate in a blog. Yeah. This is a big recipe, but yeah. You'll be happy later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then every now and then I'll get someone to say, I've got four boys at home. I needed to double the recipe. I'm like, okay, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me now how you have a relationship with your readers, because it's really clear that you respond to their responses to your recipes and to what you say. And um, I, I would think that that really feels good if you're a reader of a blog that you know that the person who's blogging is going to take the time to read your comments and then comment even if you're just saying yes I agree or something small it shows that you've read what they've said yeah I I, I read all the comments I do I, I respond to any questions every now and then I'll thank a reader for leaving they'll read a leave a really heartfelt comment about something and I feel this I'm, I'm so grateful that I will leave a response if they're just saying you know it was really good and they enjoyed it and thanking me I don't always but if there's a question I try and sometimes you know I won't answer it right away because I'm trying to think of the appropriate answer or what to really tell them like I had a woman write me the other day about my lobster chowder and she was saying, you know, she's not a chef, but her husband was, and he's gone now. And, but she's preparing it this way, this way, this way, this way. And I just want to know if that was okay, or should I do it another way? And I'm looking at her going, boy, lady, and I wrote back, cause it sounds like you really know what you're doing, you know, <laughs> uh, just keep doing it. And, you know, she asked why I use chicken broth in the lobster chowder. I says, because well, not everybody cooks their own lobsters from scratch and has the liquid that comes off of it. And even if they do, it's not enough liquid. You need to boost everything a little bit. And, and I have found that chicken goes really broth goes really well with seafood dishes because it gives it a little bite, never tastes like chicken, but it brings up the presence a little bit where a seafood stock kind of softens it. So uh-huh. I use that, but I, I wrote to her and she goes, Oh, thank you very much. I, I got to stop second guessing myself, you know? Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, those are the emails I get, not always in comments. Cause I get, probably as many emails as I do comments from readers. Okay. And yeah. then of course, everybody doesn't get the benefit of those. Because no. 
they're not on the website. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But a, a lot of them just, you know, and I say, you know, if you have a question to write me, it's, it's on my blog and they do. And, and I'm, I'm asked chef Dennis. So every now and then I get questions that go, really? Have you, you know, one was, how do you cook goat? And I'm like, have you ever seen me cook a goat? You know, <laughs> but I had to go search and I spent about a half an hour, 45 minutes Googling the best way to cook goat. And I came up with a consensus on how to do it. And I wrote back to them and says, well, I've never cooked goat, but this is how I would do it if I was cooking it, you know? So, yeah, well, that's a, that's a, a, a good answer. And yeah. I think you see goat on menus you now do. more and more. So more people more. are going to yeah. start exploring goat. I, I tell you, when I was in uh, Italy up in the northern regions, I saw donkey on the menu for the first time. And I was like, oh, my goodness, really? <laughs> I wonder if it tastes like horse meat. I don't know. I didn't try it. I, there was too many other good things on for me to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So would, have you ever done any blogs about sort of specialty things like make your own cheese let's say make a mozzarella yourself or something in a sort of pizza series or something like that i there was a big uh, trend of making your own ricotta years ago and i did do that saw how easy it was but again cheese now you know i i'm one of these people that likes to spend time making things that I really, I can't buy. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. If I can find a good product that I can buy, I will spend my time making something else that really is going to accentuate the meal or really make a bigger difference. You know, there's some really good cheeses out there. You know, I, I could make it, but uh -huh. again, you know, what am I going to sacrifice in time wise in making the cheese or making, you know, like I love sourdough, but my God, it's a process. Right, right. You know, and, and maintaining I, it every day is it? Yeah. I'm own, like, it's a pet. It's yeah, like a pet. yeah. I says, but I got a, I got a, a recipe for no need, which I found out if, if I was watching all these sourdough things, and I, I saw them folding the dough, and I said, let me try that with my no need recipe because it never really rises the way I wish it would. So I started folding the dough. You know, it takes like five minutes, and the results were so much better. Uh -huh. so so that i mean i it, it almost makes itself you just dump everything in the mixer let it go you let it rise you bring it out boom you throw it in the oven and it's done you know and it's still good homemade bread it might not be sourdough but it's still good homemade it's bread still good yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 well you know sometimes um like during the pandemic uh when we were really really isolated not when it started to loosen up a little bit mm -hmm. but i was i was sort of channeling my grandmother who made everything everything she made her own mayonnaise she made oh, her yeah. mustard she did everything herself and uh and i was making mayonnaise and doing all of that and now of course that life has kind of resumed yeah. there isn't time to do that but i have to say my mayonnaise tasted better i than, bet it did than jarred mayonnaise oh. so yeah. That that one is one I've actually kept because um, we don't use that much mayonnaise. Right. And so you can make a little batch, you know, with just one egg sure. and um, and use that up before it, it goes bad. Uh, but uh, it does remind you that sometimes um, if you make it yourself, it it is better. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's not just that it's better. But even cooking at home in sense of doing that is you have control over what goes into it. That's true. 
-hmm. Okay. You know what you're putting into it. You know, if you have something that's on its last legs and you want to add it, that's your decision. That's good. You're not wasting food. But if you buy something out and they're put something that's on its last legs in a meal they're giving you, well, really? Yeah. 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 You know? Um, So again, full control as opposed to, you know, just getting what you get. So again, and I love going out to eat. I'm not telling people not to do that. And I trust the people in the kitchen to do what's right. You know, so, and and if it comes out really badly, well, I just won't go back again. I don't complain. I don't write a bad review. I just don't go back. Yeah. Uh, That's as simple as that. But yeah, it's it's known, like you said, making your mayonnaise, knowing how simple it is. There's no preservatives in it. It's just pure ingredients, you know, and if you got the time to do it, you know, great. You know, and if that's the one thing, like I can make all kinds of salad dressings. I usually only make one and because my wife loves it and the rest, like I like Catalina. I, I love Catalina and I love blue cheese and I'll make my own blue cheese. And I also like to mix them together. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's like my, <laughs> you know, and people look at me and go, are you sure you're a chef? And I'm like, yeah, so that's not right here. <laughs> but again, I've always been, spending my time creating things that I can't find a good product for. And I always tell people it's, it's work smarter, not harder. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. sometimes like even in, in restaurants, I just don't have the time or the manpower. And if I hire someone else, guess what? I got to charge you more so I can get a really good product that does this and I can adjust it or fit, you know, or use it as it is. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a win for everybody. Right. Right. Well, Chef Dennis, thank you so much for this conversation. It was just really delightful. And everybody can find you at askchefdennis.com. And I really think that now I'm uh, I'm going to uh, to think about all the things that we talked about because uh, there's there's lots of gems in there. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have me on your show today. I, I enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.